Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Many people are surprised to learn that the Holy See currently has diplomatic relations with over 180 nations uh, and actually has the oldest diplomatic corps in the world. My guest, uh, Ambassador Francis Rooney, served as U.S. Ambassador to the Holy See from 2005 to 2008. He was member of the U.S. House of Representatives for Florida's 19th Congressional District from 2017 to 2021 and is the author of The Global Vatican, an inside look at the Catholic Church and world politics uh, and the extraordinary relationship between the United States and the Holy See. You can follow him on Twitter at Rep, R-E-P, Rooney, R-O-O-N-E-Y. Mr. Ambassador, thank you for joining me again. It's been a long time. Al, thank you for having me back on. Well, let's let's talk about uh, the scope of the Holy See's uh, ambassadorial staff and work. When a crisis comes, like this invasion of Ukraine, is is the Vatican taken by surprise? Have they been anticipating this kind of thing? How how clear is the information that they get? Oh yeah, they, they they know everything that's going on in the Ukraine through the Ukrainian Orthodox Church and the Ukrainian Catholic Church, the Uniate Church, and and uh, there's no surprises here. And I think the Pope gave out a carefully worded message of let's just pray for peace and hope that the carnage is not worse than uh, needs to be. Mm-hmm. And um, they're, they're kind of on the sidelines here till they see what happens. Yeah, but they've known what's been going on. Yeah, for sure. Were you surprised that uh, the Holy Father went over to the Russian embassy? No, I thought that was kind of an interesting outreach. Yeah, you know, I did guy, too, yeah. His, he, he's broken all the rules. I mean, he, yeah. you never know what this guy's going to do. <laughs> and this is typical of him. And sometimes I felt maybe it was not as productive as other times, but right. I think this was very productive. Yeah. To, yeah. to put them off their guard, put them on their hind legs. Yes, yeah, that's right. That's right. How large is the diplomatic corps, roughly? I mean, what, how many? Is it a, nearly 200 nations now? I don't know. When I was there, it was like a little over 170. Okay. Uh, and your lead in, you said 180 something. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure that's the case because there's been some more. Yeah. But it's the largest, it's the second. It, Maybe it's the largest now. When I was there, it was the second largest diplomatic representation in the world after the United States. Wow. And, you know, uh, goes back, you know, to the 15, 1600s. And certainly, uh, the, as you mentioned in your lead-in, the, the pontifical um, uh, ecumenical, no, the pontifical academy for diplomacy that was founded like in 1810. It's the oldest diplomatic school in the world. Wow. Wow. Do the nations of the earth ever look to uh, the Holy See to serve as an honest broker uh, to help maintain peace or to engender peace? Uh, Do we ever function that way for the nations? Al, it happens all the time. You know, the, the, the Holy See was involved in the Madagascar stuff 15, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. They were involved uh, when I was ambassador to free those Russia or those uh, British sailors that Iran scooped up. Yep. And the Pope intervened and, and got them released. And the, the letter that Ahmadinejad read was exactly what the Pope had written him because <laughs> wow. I saw it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then not to mention all the 
routine border disputes among Catholic countries that they've mediated over the years, going back to Tordesillas. Wow. I, I, you know, I just, I, this is an aspect of our life as Catholics that I don't think people are very aware of. And yet it, it, it seems to me it, it's something to be proud of. Well, it is, because the Holy See diplomacy is rooted in its ecumenism and its teachings and, and the, the respect for human dignity and, and uh, human rights. And so it brings a human focus to diplomacy, which is very helpful. You know, I think it's been very good in the world. You know, it, it, uh, as we've kind of moved to this idea of the nation-state, the Holy See has kind of kept pace with that. Um, is this? Do you think this is, uh, in their conception of the world and how the peoples of the world relate to one another, do, does the Holy See anticipate that the nation-state way of organizing peoples is here to stay for the long haul? Uh, yes, I think so. I think they feel the stability of the nation-state mm-hmm. is better than the chaos that reigned before uh, countries kind of got grouped up. Right. Remember, all through the Middle Ages, through the mid, mid-centuries mid there, before World War One, there was just nothing but constant fighting, usually involving France and England. Yep. And, and so... Um, but the thing is, when you throw in Dignitatis Humanae and the holy, the, the, the papal documents that govern the teaching of the Church in the world, they bring a human side to things that is very helpful. That, that there is, as Pope Benedict said, the idea that there, is, there are human rights gives rise to human dignity yeah. and the worth of each individual. I mean, that's pretty powerful stuff. It is. It is. And... and uh... We we kind of take it for granted. Uh, I think uh, we we tend to think well, that's been the norm throughout human history, but just the opposite. Most of human history right. was carried out without respect for human rights or human dignity. Uh, peace tends to be uh, the exception rather than the rule. In, in a sense, I think this uh, what what I was what we're seeing on CNN and MSNBC and Fox today about what's in unraveling in Ukraine with enlightened with references to human suffering and individual rights and breaking up of families and is a very healthy thing. And I think the Holy Sees ever since Vatican II diplomacy has has contributed to that culture. That's uh, a concern yeah. for human dignity and human rights. Yeah. I like that. I think that's true, too. I mean, I think the, we, there's kind of a heightened awareness, uh, these things. We always want to know. Uh, how are people being treated? Because there's a general impression that nations will ultimately be judged uh, by how they treated uh, the the uh, most vulnerable among them, and that will also the nation state ought to be judged by how it treats uh, its neighbors as well. And I think that that elevation of human dignity to a position of a foreign policy uh, is is to be welcomed. Is it off, is it considered do, do do many world leaders consider that too idealistic? They'd rather fight real politics. Well, I think the, the the democratic regimes of the West feel that that's part and parcel of their ethos. Yeah, that human rights and human dignity are part of what you do for your citizenry and how you conduct your foreign policy. But it, it's definitely opposed to what the authoritarians want to do, which is dehumanizing. Yeah. I mean, look at Putin. 
Yeah. Look yeah. at Chavez. Yeah. Uh, I I think that uh, this is true. Did you were you surprised to to see uh, Putin take such uh, extreme measures uh, in this situation? I I originally assumed that he would you know continue to take back those uh, break so called breakaway regions on, on the east, uh, but it looks like he was. He went into uh, Kiev. I, mean. I was I was surprised in this. Okay, like like you say, he 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 has some work to do to continue to consolidate Donbass and Donetsk. Yeah, right. And and I don't know why he got too far ahead of his skis on that, but I think he totally overestimated the capabilities of his army and the sentiments of his soldiers that they didn't want to fire on Russian speaking people. Yeah, and I think he totally underestimated the resolve of the world to protect a country which is fighting for its life. Now, we don't owe them a legal obligation to do it. They're right. not in NATO. Right. But this guy Zelensky's risen up as a, as a real champion. <laughs> yeah. He deserves he deserves our support. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. And uh, I'm, I'm anxious to see. They have this conference uh, in Belarus on the border there. I'm curious to see yeah. what happens as a result of that. Uh, and I, you wonder if uh, Putin himself is asking whether there's a way of uh, backing out uh, in well, I think, saving I think face. it's incumbent on, yes, it's, I'm sure that Blinken and the guys at the State Department are working assiduously with, with the Russians on this to figure out a way to present Putin something that makes him look good, yeah. but he quits. Yeah, yeah, right. And, and for a guy like Putin, who's such an um, egotistical, aggressive person, it's going to be difficult to do but there's there's bound to be a way because he's overstepped his skis in a big way yeah 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 when i you know there was this notice that uh the russian central bank had upped interest rates uh to 20 percent and um they shut down the stock stock exchange there and the ruble has lost 25 percent i mean that's if you're leading a nation that's got to be serious uh Yeah, a couple of key data points there. First of all, President Biden was a little reluctant at first to cut him off of the uh, SWIFT SWIFT, transfer, but he did it. More power to him. I do think with Anthony Blinken, uh, we have the A-team at bat. We have professional foreign policy people, and I'm thankful for that. The other thing is Switzerland. I mean, they remained neutral in World War II. But yeah. they aren't neutral now. Isn't that, that is something? incredible that they stepped out? Yeah, you know, I the, I hadn't the read that. Have billions over there. Yeah. Wow, that is interesting. Um, the I, I'm wondering when it comes to this conflict between the Russian Orthodox Church and and the Ukrainian Greek Catholic and Ukrainian Orthodox. How does the Holy See look? I mean, I, you know, first thought you'd think, well, you know, we should. We're all Christians, you know. We all we recognize they have valid sacraments, you know, the Russian Orthodox. And yet, in this case, they seem to be, you know, part and parcel of uh, uh, Putin's strategy. And how does well, the Holy well, See deal even, with that kind of conflict? Even back when I was in Rome, we always felt, the Vatican guys and me, felt that the uh, Russian Orthodox Church was just an inst- instrument of foreign policy for Putin. Yeah, They were yeah. totally co-opted. And Pope Benedict tried to go up there and make a ceremonial deal, and they just basically uh, abused him. Oh. And, and so uh, 
probably the same in the Ukraine. I think we need to work with the unions, the Catholic side yeah. of things. Mm-hmm. Which I think there was outreach day. There was a priest from Barcelona who was on on CNN talking about how he's working with the, the Ukrainian Catholics. Could you hold it there, Ambassador? We'll come back on the other side, and uh, if you can stay for a sure. few more minutes. Sure. Very good. My guest, Ambassador Francis Rooney. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. With me is Ambassador Francis Rooney, who served as U.S. Ambassador to the Holy See from 2005 to 2008. And we've been trying to get a a beam on how the Holy See operates in times of international crisis like this. And uh, we know that they are incredibly well-informed on all of these affairs. Uh, And we saw uh, Pope Francis uh, unexpectedly uh, kind of break the usual protocol, and himself go and visit the Russian embassy uh, in uh, Rome. Um, we were talking uh, just before the break about the the difficulties uh, of, uh, you know, our brothers and sisters in the Russian Orthodox communion. They seem to be in lockstep with the foreign policy of uh, President Putin, and we're talking about that difficulty. And you, you had a story you were telling us before we took the break there about a fellow in Barcelona ambassador. Could you pick that up again? Yeah. Today on CNN, they had a priest from the Diocese of Barcelona that was in the Ukraine helping minister to the uh, Catholic Ukrainians and the troops, which I thought was great. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I do too. I think that's, uh, th- that's wonderful. Uh, I would always, I, I'd always hoped that when you have a group, group like the Russian Orthodox, that somehow uh, they and the Holy See could constitute a Christian basis for arriving at peace. But uh, as that, that's kind of dreamland, isn't it? Good luck. It hadn't happened since <laughs> 1150 or whatever the last schism was, right. 1050. But, right. but you know, the, the problem is that the Russian Orthodox Church is an instrument of politics for the Russian government. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. we are not that. Right. And, and as much as the Holy See has tried to reach out to them and work with them, there's always this uh, political agenda that they have. I mean, look what they did, those, those people in that band about 10 years ago. You know, they're, and and I, I assume that they're the same thing in some of the other countries too. Um, I don't recall that story, but well, there was some band that Putin wrapped up and put in jail. Oh, they like a, a like concert. a yeah, like a, a heavy grunge or rock punk rock yeah, type of they band. Did some kind of concert. I do remember in a, in that. Church or something. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. At the end of the day, uh, the 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 role of the Holy See is to stand for human dignity, religious freedom, uh, the natural rights of man, and to keep calling out religions that become co-opted by politicians. Yeah, and, Pope and, Benedict was really good about that. And to that end, we don't encourage confessional states any longer, right? We, mm-hmm. We're not trying to prop up, uh, quote, Catholic states, uh, we, we are trying to retain some distance between the church uh, and the the institution of the state. Is that true? 
Yeah, I think more and more. I mean, during the Cold War, obviously, we were trying to help Hungary and Poland, those countries, sure. the best that we could, Karl Mazinski and all yeah. that. But now I think we're in an environment where we have to stand for the universal principles. Right. And, right. And that, that we're seeing those discussions today in the Ukraine says that they're on the right track, that, that pushing universal principles is better uh, countermeasure to authoritarian power. Yes, yeah, and that's really what's at that's what's at stake here, uh, and it's been great to, to see the coalition that uh, President Biden uh, has been putting together against uh, Putin's actions here. Uh, you you served under uh, uh, during the years of President Bush, and I'm I'm wondering what was his attitude towards the Holy See. Well, that was one of the greatest things for me to be there. Uh, first of all, the Holy See mission doesn't have a lot of the institutional uh, operations that guide a normal embassy. We don't have food food and agriculture. We don't have consular. We don't have business relationships that make the mission an institutional, uh, a stable institutional force. Okay. So we're more like a think tank. And so when the president's interested and what the Holy See can do in the world, like Reagan, like George W., like uh, H.W., mm-hmm. then the mission can be very effective. When the president doesn't really care, like Clinton, like Obama, then it kind of languishes a little bit. Hmm. Interesting. And, and so George W. was so vitally interested in what the Holy See could accomplish. Uh, we visited regularly, and, and things like uh, uh, the Pope speaking up against Amudinejad in mm-hmm. Iran. Right. Where, you know, if Bush speaks up, they just say, well, you just want our oil or it's, you know, him as, uh, hegemonic. But the Pope speaks up, it's not hegemonic at all. Right. He's a non-hegemonic sovereign. <laughs> and so it's very effective. Yeah. Um, Same with K- K- Kabila in the Congo. The Pope was very effective there. Tell me about that. And I we don't know that story. Work, well, we were working behind the scenes when Kabila got back in and trying to cuff him up and militate against his harshest tendencies. And... Uh, the, the Holy See was a willing uh, voice for that. Hmm. And that has gone well then? It went well for a while. He okay. still has managed to stay in power. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you do, do you notice a difference in the way various, I guess, John Paul II, Benedict, uh, and Francis, the way that they look upon uh, the U.S. ambassador? Do they, does Francis, uh, take as take advantage of the ambassador of uh, the Holy See in the same way that Bush did, for instance? I mean, excuse uh, well, me, same way had, that he, same way that John Paul II yeah. and, and Benedict did. Well, John Paul and Reagan, they were and Margaret Thatcher, they were in such sync to go after the communists. Yeah, yeah. and they had a they had a team going that was unrelenting. Uh, in Bush's time, it was more, how do we deal with the aftermath of Iraq and Afghanistan? How do we deal with radical Islamic terrorism? Uh, as the Pope used to talk about, the madrasas that Saudi Arabia propagated all through Africa, right. which has now led to yep. um, terrorists all through Africa. Yep. We we have U.S. troops in Mali and Mauritania and all these countries down there that we really shouldn't have to have, but right. that's because of the madrasas. But Anyway, the Pope was ahead of the curve on all that. Hmm. 
And then Francis is a little different slant. He's he's has his own uh, ministry. It's much more humanist. Hmm. Uh, he's very concerned about the church in different ways than Pope Benedict was, as you know, better yeah. than me probably. Yeah. And uh, in the foreign policy area, he's been the same way, more humanist, you know, mm-hmm. like going over the Russians, you know, just saying, hey, come on, you guys. <laughs> right. Right. He's well, a very see. unconventional guy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have to, I mean, I admit, uh, and I've said this before on the air, that I, <clears throat> he, he, usually when you think of a, a leader of an institution like the Catholic Church, you're really hoping for great clarity uh, in what they do. Um, and yet with Pope Francis, I find myself all frequently wondering, I wonder what he meant by that. Yeah, it's kind of like our policy towards Taiwan. Strategic ambiguity. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, that's uh, and that may come to a head in the not-too-distant future, too. It so. could. Um, I was talking earlier about this idea of the nation-state, uh, and I'm behind that question was the idea of the clash of civilizations that Samuel Huntington wrote about for his death. And, you know, I, I can't tell, but I, I wonder if in fact we're seeing the, the Western democratic, uh, culture, uh, becoming very distinct from, uh, the Russian, uh, uh, Orthodox uh, culture, and different, of course, in the Islamic uh, world. Although the Islamic world is not quite as uh, homogeneous as people often think, do you see cult- civilizational clashes in the future, or do you think the nation state is going to remain uh, the primary uh, uh, area of conflict? If we were talking about this five years ago, I would have said Huntington's looking pretty right right now. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I don't know that that's the case now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the way the the radicals and and the Islamics have kind of uh, dissipated, and they've all yeah. created such failed states over there. They can't provide for their people in right. Syria and and uh, uh, Iraq as well. And so maybe maybe not. Maybe it's not going to be a class of clash of civilizations like it looked like maybe eight or ten years ago. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, the the Russia thing is just European hegemony. It's just who's on top. You know, Putin has said from day one that Catherine the Great had more territory than he has, and he wants to get some of the property back. <laughs> and there should be no surprise in what he's doing. Yeah. The surprise is how he's doing it. And like you say, uh, that he's not just consolidating the gains that he has yeah. and is taking these huge leaps forward. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand on one hand that, you know, he he's a little concerned of having uh, a bastion of uh, European culture and, and values sitting on his doorstep uh, at Ukraine. And he's, the Russians have always had Ukraine there to protect them against Napoleon and Imperial Germany and then Nazi Germany. I get why he's concerned, but uh, I don't get uh, the use of force to maintain that. At this, at this stage in our international discussion— um, Seems to me there are lots of other ways of persuasion. Yeah, he's he's reached out pretty far. I mean, I can understand where the guy's coming from historically. The the Kievan Rus was the uh, basic uh, root etymology of Russia. Yeah. Yep. 
And so he says, wow, <laughs> if it wasn't for the Moscovites, we would, the capital would be in Kiev anyway. Right, right. So he's looking at it a little differently than we look at it. Nobody in our part of the world is going to get all that unless they've read a lot about it. Yeah. But, uh, but like you say, we're way too far down the road for him to go brutalize a country. And the, the way the world's spoken up is very heartening about that. Yeah. Were you surprised at the, uh, the unanimity of the, with the exception of China, of course. Uh, I was surprised that Switzerland spoke up like that. Yeah, that's, that's really incredible. great. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm surprised that uh, it's become as uh, as uh, ho- the opinion is as homogeneous as it is, and uh, I'm yeah. actually welcoming that. Um, hopefully, we'll see uh, a way out from further conflict. Well, this is where the smart guys need to come up with an exit path for Putin to yeah. give him self-esteem and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't know. yeah, yeah. Well, there Ambassador, thank you so much. How they could do that. It's always good talking Thank you, with Al. You. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah, thank you. Ambassador Francis Rooney, the book The Global Vatican uh, is one that I love to recommend. It's an inside look at the Catholic Church, world politics, and really the extraordinary relationship between the United States and the Holy See. I'm Al Cresta.